Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, The Advent, which was taught to help us celebrate Advent in 2020. Advent is a time to reflect upon the coming of Christ and how He is the source of true hope, peace, love, and joy. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's Word in your life today. Praise the Lord. Good morning to all of you. Good morning. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I look forward to, uh, to talking for a few minutes on the subject of the advent of love in Christ. Um, and uh, I want to do something a little bit different this morning. Normally I read the scripture first and then I give a little introduction. I'm going to do it in reverse this morning. I'm going to tell a little story and then I will, read, I will bring up the scripture. Um, the name Katniss Everdeen, I don't know if that means anything to anyone, uh, probably means something to some of you and some of the others that you've never heard that name. Well, that's a fictional character. Katniss Everdeen was the protagonist, the lead, uh, the main character of the, of the book and the movie, The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games was a dystopian society, uh, that was set in the future in North America. And this place had been gone so bad that they had divided up into 12 impoverished districts with one very uh, affluent, uh, rich district uh, called the Capitol. And what they did every year was in, um, the leaders, the president, would, would run an annual televised event called the Hunger Games. And what they would do was they would pick uh, two children ages 12 to 18 from each one of the 12 impoverished districts. And those 12, those 24 children would be engaged in a televised fight to the death. It was very brutal. 23 would be dead and only one would survive. Um, and that was for the entertainment of the capital district as well as to keep the impoverished people in line. Okay? And so they would have a ceremony a televised ceremony called the reaping and each district would pick they would have a big jar and they would pick who was going to be the two uh, contestants that each year so this one year Katniss uh, came in and her little sister named Prim was only 12 years old so this was her first year that she was indeed eligible and sure enough you would she put their name in and the first name they read was Prim Everdeen and there was only one way to get out of this she had to go the only way to get out of it is if someone else would volunteer to take their place. And immediately, 16-year-old Katniss ran up and volunteered and said, No, Prim, you stay. I'm going to go. Though it meant almost certain death, as 23 would be dead, and a 16-year-old girl didn't stand much of a chance in that society. So Katniss volunteered in the place of her sister. She actually laid down her life for one she loved. And that's what I want to talk about today is laying down our lives. I'm going to bring up the scripture now, um, what Jesus said in, about this topic. He said in John 15, 13, and this is our basic text. I got two texts this morning. Uh, one is John 15, 13, simply says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Um, greater love, this is the greatest love, and I'm glad... Uh, Tony said, I hope I don't steal his thunder. Actually, you complimented me very well because I 
wanted to go to that scripture that you read at the beginning, but I'm not going to, so perfect. Thank you very much. (laughs) Jesus said, uh, this is the greatest love. The greatest commandment is love the the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, um, if it, one of the things that gets me, I heard the children today. They have this little um, thing where they criticize or they 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 talk about somebody, and they'll they'll, they'll um, I forget what the word is, but they'll 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 say a nasty thing about the other person, and uh, that child will say, "I know you are, but what am I?" And I, 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 this is funny as heck to me. I, I, I guess I'm at that age where I have no clue what that means. I'm too old to know what it means. But I think I, I'm tickled every time I hear, I know you are, but what am I? Well, I want to look at this love of God, the advent of love in Christ from the uh, standpoint of uh, God is love, but what am I? I know he is, but what am I? God is love, but what am I? So uh, I'm going to answer that in three points today, uh, begin to answer it, because there's so much more than what's covered in just these three points. But the first point is, God is love. I am the recipient. I am a recipient. We are a recipient. God is love. I am a recipient. You see, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit show love through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. So in 1 John chapter 4, verse uh, 7 through 12, actually, is, our, is the rest of our text. But I'm just going to read the first couple of verses right now. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and God, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So the first aspect of me being a recipient and answering the question, God is love, who am I? God is love, I am the recipient. Look at this, it says God sent his own son. And in um, go, moving on to verse 9, um, he said, in this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So going back for a moment, God, it says in verse 8, he is love, and his love was made manifest. That is, it was made uh, obvious, evident. It was, we were able to see it and apprehend it a little bit. And that is uh, that it says here, God sent his only son. Now that is a very sacrificial thing. If you can imagine sending your own son or your own child, your own daughter, into um, like the Hunger Games. If you were to send your child into something like that, that's near certain death, right? One will live, 23 will die. Well, that wasn't the case here. God sent his son where it was certain death. One was going and one was going to die. And he knew that ahead of time. So he sent him as an act of love and it was made manifest in that way. The second thing is he sent him for us. You see where I've highlighted there, so that in order that, we might live. In order that we might live, God sent his only son. The act of love was for our benefit. We are the recipients. God sent him for the church. He sent him for uh, everybody, but he sent him for the church. He said that we might live because the ones that are going to live is us, okay? And anyone that receives Jesus Christ into their life and in their hearts will live. So, 
That is who he sent it for. But I'm going to move on a little bit and show that he not only uh, came for us, but he came for the whole world. He came even for the ungodly. Over in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, it reads like this. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What an act of love. He died for those who did not like him, did not love him, did not care for him. In fact, did not even want him in our presence. We were sinners and he died for every sinner. So God is love sending his son for the purpose of dying for those who hated him. What an awesome, awesome demonstration of love. Now, the second thing is not only God sent his son, but Jesus voluntarily came. Jesus laid down his own life. And it's interesting because, um, you know, I could send my son to die, but he might go kicking and screaming, you know. Go, you go, you die. Uh, that was not the case with Jesus Christ. He advented. He came knowing that his purpose was to seek and to save which was lost, that he was going to die for many. And so... Um, and as a matter of fact, this, this verse here in Matthew 28, 28 says that very thing. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So the first point there is that Jesus laid down his life willingly. Like I said, he did not come kicking and screaming. He did not come to be served. Rather, he came to serve. And that service led him all the way to Calvary, all the way to the cross, all the way till death. He served unto death willingly. The second part of that says he gave his life as a ransom for many, a ransom for many. Uh, he paid the penalty of sin for you and for me. The penalty was fully paid by him and he did it willingly. So he willingly died and he gave it a ransom for many. So there it is again. God is love. Jesus gave his life. I am the recipient. Jesus laid his down, life down for many, I being and you being one of the many. Amen? All righty. So anyway, um, another point here is humility. Jesus laid down his life in humility. Philippians 2, chapter 5, verses uh, 2, verse 5 through 8 goes like this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who... Through the who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, the point here is, is this is an act of humility. As we said, Jesus gave himself willingly which was a total act of love for us, but it required complete humility. No one can think of oneself and give one's life for someone else. That's just not going to happen. We have to be thinking of the other one. And that's what Jesus was doing there. He, again, did not come to be served, but he came to serve. It says in this passage, that's humility, and he humbled himself all the way unto death. 
The other point there that I would like to point out is God sent his son and Jesus laid down his life. But when Jesus laid down his life, the Holy Spirit was involved. I'm going to bring up Hebrews 9.14 just to say that the Holy Spirit was involved in this as well. He said, and this is the middle of a sentence, but it'll make sense. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Okay? Um, and the point there is, like I said, it's in the middle of a, a passage, but the blood of Jesus will purify our conscience is what he's saying there. And the point that I want to bring out in that is that by the blood of Christ, our consciousness is, is purified. He did that himself. He willingly offered himself. But look, it said, it said through the Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God was it, it completely active in Jesus coming to earth as a babe to grow, to live a sinless life, to die for each and every one of us. That God the Father sent him, Jesus willingly gave, and he was often, uh, the Holy Spirit was involved. It is just like so many other, all the other uh, doctrines that we've been looking at this year. It's another Trinitarian thing where God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are fully involved as one. All right? So um, I'm going to return back for a moment to the, our scripture. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. And I want to keep repeating that. I really want to keep coming back to that because that is the whole essence of it, giving our lives. The greatest love is giving our lives. So God is love. I am the recipient. That was all about love and Jesus giving himself. The second point is God is love, but what am I? I am a channel of that love. God is love. I am a channel. You know, Jesus' sacrificial love glorified the Father in heaven, and it gave people access to God. His death, shedding the blood, gave access to God. Our sacrificial love, one for another, is actually Him loving through us that's doing the exact same thing. As He uses us to love them, then once again, that points away from ourselves, because we're in humility, that points to Jesus which gives people access to God. So it's not us, it's all him. We empty ourselves, we allow ourselves to be a channel of his love. Look at 1 John again, now at the end of that uh, paragraph there, verses uh, 11 and 12. It goes like this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another... God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So the first thing I want to look at under the heading of I am a channel is we need to love like Jesus loved. Because if he's a channel, then what we're doing is, is we're, we're allowing ourselves to, to be lovers like God is a lover, like Jesus is a lover, a lover of people, a lover, lover of his people. And that's what we do. Right here it says... That, um, that he, um, his love, no one has ever seen God. It's his love that allowed people to see God. It's what made his uh, God manifest. His love was manifest this way. That's the only way that people see God is through the love. So God's love allows them to see him, and it is God's love through us that allows others to see Jesus. All right, you've heard that say that some people, the only Bible they're going to read is, is seeing you. The only Jesus they're going to see is you. 
And that does in no way means that I'm going to be as righteous as Jesus. You're not going to be. But what it is, is it's showing what Jesus can do in a life that's just like theirs. My life is just like yours. And you know what that is? Full of sin. Full of sin, totally ungodly. But what can God do through a life? He can love somebody, even when they're unlovable. And that's what God did. He said, God sent him. I'm going to return to a passage. I didn't put a slide up here, but uh, I'm going to return to the Romans passage because he sent him. He was manifest. He was seen through this. He sent him for not people who were in love with him, but as I said earlier, for the ungodly. He sent him for the ungodly. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That was back in Romans chapter 5. He died for the ungodly. And while we were still sinners, we were ungodly. He died for us. So that is how Jesus loves. Jesus loves uh, in order to glorify the Father. That's what our love is for, is to glorify Jesus and glorify the Father. And he loves the most, the hardest to love people, those who hate him. That's how he loves how else does, how does that manifest itself? We are to love his church. Love like Jesus, love his church. In 1 John 4, 7 and then 11, again, he says, Beloved, we, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Again, in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us in this manner, we also ought to love one another. Amen? In the same way. Again, love like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Be the channel of his love, and we do that by loving one another. And we've heard Brett, when he was talking about the, the series this summer, the, the, the body. Sometimes it's hard to love e each other because we, we spend so much time together and we see our little idiosyncrasies. I know I'm hard to love, but you're called to love me anyway, you know? You're hard to love. <laughs> You're hard to love, but I'm called to love you anyway. Um, wow, did I say that? Can, is there any way to delete that from the tape? Or, no, this is, this is a new era where it, it goes out. It never comes back, right? Amen. But praise the Lord, we all, are, we all are hard to love, but we are called to love one another. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus, dem God demonstrated his love for his church by laying down his life laying down his son's life, his son laying down his life. The ability to love the church actually comes from God. We don't have that within us. It only comes from God. So he loved his church. He also, and I point this out again, he loved his enemy. That's what we are to do. We are called to love our enemies. Over in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44, Jesus says... Uh, you have heard that it was said, love, uh, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what they taught back then. He said, but I say to you a whole different thing, a whole new way of looking at things. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There's more to follow that, but my point here is love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. Love those who don't love you first. Brett pointed that out in his, uh, in his um, uh, what are those things we do every day? Devotions. <laughs> no, I knew the word, but I stored it in a brain cell that died yesterday, so I didn't remember. Um, <laughs> the devotions, and uh, it was a real good segue into this week uh, when he talked about if your enemy in, in Romans 12, it wasn't part of my thing, but I loved yesterday. 
If your enemy is hungry, feed him. Don't rejoice and say, ha, 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 starve. Uh, if your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. That is Jesus' way. That is how he's a channel. We are a channel of his love. That's how he loves through us. Um, so he taught that we are to love our enemies. And guess what? He demonstrated that we are to love his enemies once again in Romans 5. I'm going to go back to Romans 5 again because once again he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Christ died for us. He might die for a righteous person, but his point here is we were not the righteous people. And what is this all about? It is giving our lives, laying down our lives, either literally or figuratively, um, but spiritually for certain, laying down our lives for those that most don't like us, that most hate us, that most mistreat us. We're to lay down our lives for them like Jesus did. That's how we are to love. God is love. I am a channel of that love. That's what I am. That's what we are. Amen? All right, so let's return once again to the passage, to the verse. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. We're talking this morning about laying down our lives. So God is love, but what am I? Well, I am a follower. I am his follower. God is love. I am his follower. As Jesus loved so too am I to love. And followers of Jesus, we actually have to have his heart and we have to have his focus in order and, and, and lay down our lives for the benefits of others. That's what he did. Laid down his life for the benefit of others. Um, the first part of that is understanding his heart. If we're going to have the heart of God or the heart of Jesus, we have to understand it. Amen? All right. So in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, he says, In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, Jesus' heart is to love others. That's what his heart is. That's why he came is because he loved us so deeply. A people that were flawed from the very beginning. You know, he created people, said, don't eat that, and that's the first thing they did. You know what I'm saying? And we've been doing everything we've done since then has been the first thing we do is what God said don't do. Right from birth all the way through, we keep doing what God said don't do. And yet, his heart is to love us. That's what our heart is, to love others, should be. And Jesus... His love propelled him to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, that's a word you don't use very often. I bet you didn't use it last week. <laughs> um, it's hard to even pronounce. Propitiation. Um, propitiation is really a sacrifice that bears God's wrath to the end. Uh, and in so doing, changes God's wrath towards us into favor. We, as sinners of, of God, were due wrath. Okay, we are due wrath. That is our punishment. That is our, that is our just due. It's not even our punishment. It's, just what, it's what we've earned. You know, the wages of sin is death. That's our paycheck. At the end of the day, we are owed death and wrath. But Jesus came so that we don't have to take wrath. He took the wrath for us. And we are so excited about that because his love propelled him. That's what propitiation is. I want to demonstrate something here. 
you know, imagine this as your soul, okay? And in conception, we're conceived and we have a soul. And we, in, we were conceived in sin. And God looks at us, and, and as we're born, we, the first thing we do is sin. The first thing we do is lie when we're hungry and we cry as a baby, and we're not hungry or wet, right? We just want attention. And uh, so, but we are sinners from birth. And imagine this being a sin, okay? And one page after the other. Here's sin. You know, every time we sin, every time we commit a sin, there's another sin on top of us. Sin after sin after sin after sin just on us. Weight, weighing us down, weighing us down, sin after sin. And when God looks at us, all he can see is the sin that is, and the, and the paycheck is wrath. That's what's due for this life, okay? His son comes with a perfect slate, no sin whatsoever. And when he looks on his son, he sees perfection, and his due paycheck is eternal life. Our due paycheck is eternal death. The scripture says, like sheep, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that when God looks at us, he can see a clean slate because Jesus paid this penalty for our sin. He bore the brunt of everything we did. He took the wrath that we deserve so that we can look at us as being sinless because Jesus was sinless, he paid the price for us. That's what propitiation is all about. Amen. He took our wrath. And that's what this is all about. This is all about us loving because he first loved us. You know, the, the parable where the, the king wants to, th the, the guy wants to throw somebody in jail when he owes him a buck and a half after he was forgiven a, a $2.7 billion debt. You know what I mean? Oh, you owe me a buck and a half, get in jail. That's, no, that's not us. The Christians is forgive everything and love even to the death. Um, our heart should be propitiation. And that's what I want to say. I don't want to be a heretic because we can't do that. We can't pay that. So, uh, and like I said, it's going out to the internet. So I want to be sure that I'm not misunderstood. But if I am misunderstood, Brett has 40 Sundays next week that he'll have to fix this <laughs> up, okay? So... Um, I'm good, right? We cannot, <laughs> we cannot be the propitiation. We cannot be. But that should be our focus, okay? Our focus should be, and there's other things that Jesus' death did. You could preach a whole series on everything he did. But from the point of wrath, we love, just like Jesus loved, in order that maybe through our love they see Jesus and they receive what he did because it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. But we are channels, like I said before, in order to focus on propitiation, for focus on his heart of loving others that they don't have to face that wrath because that's where they're destined. Um, we are to die to ourselves. That's what this is all about. Having the heart and the focus of Jesus is dying to ourselves. Luke 9, 23 and 24 says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. We are to die to self. If we're going to be followers of Jesus who came to this earth, not to be served, but to serve, to love and to die, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to not be served, but we're going to serve, serve un through love unto death. And that means dying to self. Dying to self is a sacrifice, all right? We are put together to think about ourselves only. 
It is a sacrifice, and it involves three things that you see there. Dying to self involves denying ourselves, which is very difficult to do in the flesh. In fact, it's impossible in the flesh. Dying to ourselves involves taking up our cross daily, and dying to ourselves involves following Jesus. It's all there in Luke 23. That's what we have to do, die to ourselves. We are not only to die to ourselves, that involves being others-focused. We need to be others-focused, all right? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, I looked at verse 5 earlier, and this, is, this precedes that. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to, only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, all right? What that's talking about is we are to be humble, we are to be humble because the very next verse that I didn't put up there says, have this mind in you that is in Christ Jesus. What mind is that? Humility. It talks about that all the way to death, all the way to the cross. And right here he says, do nothing out of selfishness. So humility involves not being selfish. All right? Selfish is the antithesis of that, as is do not be conceited. Conceited is building myself up in importance, showing you how important I am. I am the man, and you are not, okay? That's what conceit is, and we not only have that, but we demonstrate it and say it to people. The opposite is you are worthy of, of my love, of Jesus' love. Count others more significant than ourselves. That's about hum humility, Don't, not being selfish or conceited and counting others more significant than ourselves. We are to focus on the interests of others, others' interests. Don't just think about our own interests. I like what Tony said this morning about, you know, about, uh, you know, not focusing on just ours loving others, okay? No man ever hated his own flesh, even though, like you said, sometimes we can hate ourselves, but even then we take good care of our flesh. We take such good care of it, and we make sure it's fed. That's what we do for others. We make sure that others are taken care of as best to our ability. I want to give an example of uh, five, five, young, five men uh, back, I think it was in the 50s, when they went to Ecuador. Uh, the names might sound familiar to you, Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and as long Pete Fleming, Ed McCulley, and Roger Yudarian. And they were missionaries to the Aka tribes down in Ecuador, and these Akas had killed Every outsider that ever came in there, anyone, some American businesses tried to set up down there and they refused to go in there because they all got killed. They were all scared. These guys loved so much that they went in to go to a tribe that needed to hear about Jesus and find the love of Jesus and nobody would go in there and tell them. And they said, even if it means death, I will go. And those five were indeed martyred uh, after they were trying to preach the gospel and all five of them were killed. And the interesting thing was, uh, as I read, that uh, uh, Elliot actually had a gun. When he was attacked, he could have shot the guy to protect himself. And no court in the land would have uh, convicted him in any country. You know, I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, it was self-defense is the point. Nobody would have, we wouldn't have judged him. We said, well, we understand. But his heart was like Jesus. He said, this man does not know Jesus. I will let him kill me so that he might still have the opportunity to know Jesus rather than me to put him into an eternity without Jesus forevermore. And so he took that on. He laid down his life for others. And that's what this is all about. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. That's what he did. And that love, though they all died, that love led 
to that tribe being converted one by one. And today they, they became a peace-loving people, all in part because of those who were willing to give their lives that they, others might see Jesus and have access to the Father. So let's apply this. How, how might we apply this? Well, uh, application of the word. I've got two specific things I want to say uh, in, in applying the word today. The first thing I want to say is focus on our spiritual health. Okay, we're going to focus on our spiritual health. And what I'd like to do is I broke it down into our spiritual health being sort of like our physical health. And I broke it down into three areas. The first area, we need to focus on a healthy diet. A healthy diet. That is, feed on the Word of God. Amen? Feed on the Word of God. That is, read God's Word. Study God's Word. Memorize God's Word. Meditate on God's Word. Take it in. Take in the good nourishment of God's Word. That's how we're going to have the mind of Christ. And um, also, there are, uh, you know, quite frankly, we have snacks. You know, we have a little, little bit of junk food. And the world is going to offer us as much of that. My, my thought is, is there are some things that are not bad in moderation. You know, like for me, I might watch some movies or, you know, a little bit of a television show, you know, here or there. Uh, not anything that's on TV now, but binge on a 70s show or 60s or something, you know. But, um, right. Uh, but, uh, but binging, but, but taking too much of that in is unhealthy. Okay, I can eat a little bit of that. The spiritual snacks are okay, but I'm going to tell you what, the spiritual toxins of things like, I'll just put out one pornography that's the one I can think of off the top of my head you know that is poison and that is like just taking in cyanide to our, our 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 physical body so let's not take in any toxicity and let's limit our okay snacks and let's feed on his healthy word second area is exercise okay and I like to look at exercise when I used to exercise And when, and when I'm going to start exercising again, um, I break it down into two areas. Number one is the cardio area, okay? We exercise our hearts and our lungs in the wind, and we make sure that um, that is done. And I like to relate that to prayer. You know, uh, you know pr Paul says pray without ceasing. And we are to pray without ceasing, just like we breathe without ceasing. And so we're constantly hearing from God, inhaling, and giving back to God, praying and, 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 and uh, thanksgivings and, and petitions and praises and adorations, all going to Him and coming back. And it's just a, a breathing exercise where it goes back and forth, praying without ceasing, including praying and fasting, okay? That is our spiritual health. And then the second area is muscular. And... As you can see, um, we need to be muscular. <laughs> no, uh, let me put it this way. Muscles not use atrophy eventually. <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it at that, okay? But uh, our faith is our muscle in the spirit, and we need to exercise our faith. It, goes, it, it wanes away if we don't use it, but if we, if we use it, it grows and it gets stronger and bigger, and we're able to stretch our faith and exercise it. So obeying the Holy Spirit is the way we exercise our faith faith muscle. And then the third area is rest. We need rest. Remember Sabbath. Sabbath is very important. Waiting on the Lord, resting in the Lord, being quiet before the Lord is also very important. The second area I want to look at is um, a, 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 I, I use, at different times in my life I've used a love checklist. 
Okay, I just draw up a checklist and I use it and I check my progress on this per day because we're around people that we love every day. We're around people that we don't love every day. We even drive in traffic with people we really don't love every day. And yet the heart of Jesus, you know, you can think, well, I don't know him so I can think of flipping them off and stuff like that. But no, what would Jesus do in that car? No, 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 he would love them too. And we are to love everyone. So I use a checklist, and, and I'm going to put this up, and you're gonna, you might like it. And you might say, oh, I'd like to get that. Well, it's not going to be up here long enough for you to get it, but I can tell you, you can find this same checklist in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. All right? So you can put that up, and you can see on the one side here, on the left-hand side or whatever side that is, that's the do side, you know, and I check this off. Have I been this way? And I'll pick a relationship, and I will, for your sake, I will pick Charlene because that's, the, you know, it's the toughest one to love because I love her more than everybody, but we're so close to everybody, you know, and so, I mean, so close to each other that it gets, you know, it gets hard because, you know, I can at least fake it from in front of you for a while. I can't fake it in front of her at all, and, you know, when I'm not loving, it comes out quickly with her. So I say, am I patient today? you know, with Charlene? Was I kind today? Am I rejoicing with the truth? Am I bearing with her? Am I believing in her? Am I hoping with her? Am I enduring with her? The don't side on the other side, you know, we want to check, I want to check it if I'm not envious. Was I envious today in my relationships or with her? Was I boastful? Am I arrogant? Am I rude? Oh boy, am I insisting on my own way? Ooh, that's one that really doesn't get chucked much by me. Um, am I irritable or resentful? Mm. Am I rejoicing in wrong? And it's in any area. We can do it with our, our spouse, our children, our parents, our siblings, whatever. And it's a nice little checklist that helps me. The checklist doesn't do it for me. It is the Holy Spirit in me who does it. But this is a nice little exercise that I, I, I have used to some uh, success. It, it shows when I'm using that. So I just wanted to say that um, God is love. We know that. But what am I? Well, hopefully, I'm what he calls us to be through the leading of his Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you this morning so much for what you're doing and for what you want to do in each and every life. I thank you that you loved us. You sent Jesus to be a babe, but not just to be a babe, to to be incarnate, to grow as a child and as a man, and to live a perfect, sinless life for us, and to give that perfect life for our very imperfect lives. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be channels of your love, followers of you, that we can be what you called so that others might see Jesus and be uh, more inclined to hear from him and receive him. We thank you for that opportunity, Lord. Em help us to empty ourselves of ourselves as individuals and as a corporate body together to be that shining beacon in a very, very dark world. We thank you, we praise you, give you all the praise in Jesus' holy, mighty, and righteous name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to give the benediction. And then uh, when we get finished, we're going to ask you to just head straight on out and uh, not, not mill around here due to uh, the restrictions of these days. Um, this, this uh, benediction comes out of 2 Thessalonians uh, 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word.
Go now and be, uh, receive the blessing of God to be a blessing of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.